This life-changing message comes to you from Church of the Harvest. It's our prayer that this message will inspire your life and bring hope to your future. Let's just press in for a minute, shall we? We just thank you, Lord. We just thank you, thank you, thank you. You are a healer. You are our healer. Father, where there's cloudiness, we speak clarity of thought. Where there's no clear thinking, Father, we just pierce it with the light of your word, that you have sent your word, and you healed us, and you delivered us from all our destruction. All, Father, we thank you for all. Nothing is left. All. Nothing left but you, Lord, your life, your will, your love, your compassion, your healing and the wholeness for us. And we just thank you for it this morning. We thank you and we praise you. We are so grateful for what you've done and doing in our midst. And, Father, that our future is bright. Father, we thank you for times of refreshing from you. We thank you for renewing our youth as the eagles. We thank you and we forget not any of your benefits. We thank you that you're quick to forgive when we repent. You're quick to forgive and wash it all away as if it never took place. We're not covered, but we're washed clean. Thank you, Lord. We overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. And this morning, we declare that we're free, that we are healed, that we are whole, that your life burns in us. That flame that will never go out burns hotter and hotter and hotter for the things of you. We thank you, Father, that we are yielded vessels unto you. We thank you for the mighty things that you're doing. We thank you, Lord, that we have ears to hear and eyes that see. And we purpose to hear and to see the things of you. And we thank you so much for it. Father, again, you're just invited to have your way here today. We are yielded vessels unto you. And whatever you desire is what we want to. And so we just yield to you. And we thank you for just performing that that you said you would do in us. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, before Pastor Bob comes... Um, we'd like to do just a couple testimonies, if that's okay. You want to start, Jerry? Wow, God is so good, so good. Um, yeah, Connie and I were, Thanksgiving, we had, you know, people, you know, you're around a whole bunch of people on Thanksgiving, and uh, some of them, you know, or saying, well, I'm about to catch a flu, or I'm about to get sick, or I'm about to this and that, and and uh, Connie and I are looking at each other, and they don't understand, you know, what they're speaking, and uh, so we, uh, afterwards, we just kind of stood in agreement, uh, prayed over, you know, ourselves and our kids and home, and just declared that we were not going to get sick, that we are healthy, we're whole, and y'all know what the word says. And uh, over the last weekend, Connie and I started getting symptoms of the sinus stuff, the bug, the congestion, 
the headache, all that mess. And, and so after uh, Monday, we just, we just kind of stood in agreement. We stood in agreement, uh, commanded the stuff to go. We thanked God for our healing, spoke the word. And uh, you guys know what the word says. He's our healer. So we just went to bed. And uh, gosh, his uh, his presence is. Uh, so we woke up Tuesday morning, and the pa- and every symptom was gone, and God had touched us, and and uh, that's the first time that it ever happened where, you know, the stuff comes on in the fall. But we just did an agreement, woke up, and I said, and I said, honey, how you feel? She said, good. And so we're just, I just thank God so much. We're hit, we're seeing healings on Sunday mornings all the time. He's doing so much, and uh, he's our healer. And just encourage y'all to, if you've got praise reports, put them in the prayer jar. So I just thank him so much for what he's doing. Else. Come on, Joy. I've got to share with y'all what happened at Healing School this last time. Uh, I had got something real rough on my top eyelid and it was starting to stand out. It really didn't, wasn't painful. But I didn't want to put up with it. So I asked Sister Joe to pray over it because I knew I was healed. Well, she anointed my eyelid, laid her hands on me. We prayed over it. We claimed the healing. She asked me how it felt, and I said, about like it did, but it's okay. I'm healed. Well, Miss Juanita and I went to lunch. While we were sitting there, I reached up. This stuff started falling off my eyelid. And I said, look at this. And she says, What's happening? I said, my healing's manifestation. I said, look at these flakes fall. All right, now it's starting to get a little rough again. But we're going to take care of that today, too. (laughs) Glory to God. God. You know, we have never gone to healing school and not had something manifested. It has been so good. We've had just kind of a a small uh, crowd to come in, but I'll tell you what, it is, God is just so faithful. Anybody else want to share anything? I don't know, come on. I really didn't get it till then. Um, You know, after Jenny died, I couldn't even walk in here. It was just excruciating. But anyway, as I learned, I try not to sit over there. I sit back there and came in, and I was worshiping. I had my hands up, and I was worshiping. And all of a sudden, I was transported. This has never happened to me before. I was transported up to this huge, it was like a huge circular building, and it had tiers as far up as you could see and as low down as you could see. They were like balconies, and my vision was blocked. I could only see about 30% this way, so I could see the curve, and I couldn't see what was in the middle that everyone was facing. When I look up and down, there were people everywhere worshiping. But I, I looked up and I thought, 
oh God, Jenny's here. This, you know, and I looked and, and I saw a big group of people down ways from me. And I don't remember seeing angels or white. Everybody was, I remember just seeing color. I wasn't really paying attention. But I knew she was in that crowd there. And I had my hands up and I was crying and I was going, oh my gosh. And I heard the Holy Spirit say, this is where heaven touches earth. I never got it. I never understood it till then. When we are worshiping him and we get in the zone, we are joining that great cloud of witnesses. But what also I remembered about it was the tears there. It was like you were standing on a balcony. If you've been in a hotel that has the open atrium, it was kind of like that, only it was round and it was like waist-sized walls we were standing at. And everything was this gold. It wasn't shiny glitter gold like our jewelry. It was just a... I don't know what it's called, a translucent or something, but the walls, um, the, the little half walls, everything was that color. And Ricky and I went a, few, a couple of months ago to Amarillo to see his family. And his dad had gone with his brother who has a gold mining business and a gold mining TV show. Anyway, he had spent the summer with him traveling and looking at these, mill, at these mines and stuff. And he had brought back this five-gallon bucket of, of dirt and these weird looking rocks, and he pulled all the big rocks out of the bucket, because he knows I love rocks and stuff, I'm a dork. <laughs> but then he said, I want you to put your hand in this bucket and squeeze it and turn it over, and I did. And then he said, now drop the dirt, make sure it all goes back in the bucket. So I did, and he said, now I want you to come outside. We were in the garage, and I stepped out, and I looked back at the rocks, and the rocks looked like somebody had just shook glitter all over, and they were full of gold. And when I looked in my hand, it was overcast. He said, now, if the sun was shining, your hand would just look just like those rocks. But I looked in here, and in all the lines of my hands, there were clumps of this same exact color that I had seen in that vision in heaven. This same color. They weren't shiny because the light wasn't shining, but you could see them. And I was amazed, and I was like, oh, this is confirmation. I was just amazed. But that's what heaven touches earth means. I never knew it. Well, I learned something wonderful. Heaven touching earth. Isn't that great? Oh, that is so wonderful. Well, anybody else have testimonies? No? Well, I'll tell you one or two about uh, traveling. Had wonderful opportunities. And, you know, sometimes you get in a hurry and you don't really, you want to do what you're set out to do and what you have your time schedule for and everything. And I was at the hotel and and uh, I was walking the dog and, and uh, really didn't, I just wanted to get back and take care of and get out so I wasn't late. And this little woman is walking her dog and she said, you have an extra bag? I said, absolutely. And so she's starting to make conversation with me and my mind is going, Lord, I have to be somewhere. I'm running late. I have to go. I will be late if I don't move. And she's steadily talking and and so I make my way, and we kind of part, and I just get past where the dumpster is and about halfway back to my room, and, and I know that I'm supposed to go pray for her. I thought, I'm going to be late. And I had just, just to let you know, I had gone in to grab a cup of coffee, and I was just running and get the coffee, come back to the hotel room, and get Mom in the van and go. And, and uh, in the, my neighbors next door who had this big deal happen to them, they were at the hotel now for a week. And so he uh, said something, and she said something. So I sat down and talked. I was able to minister and pray for him. And so, you know, the, time, the clock is a ticking. So I went back there, and I encountered the woman. And so I'm thinking, oh, oh, oh. And I just stopped in my tracks, and I thought, okay. Even if she thinks I'm weird, I'm going to go do it. And so I go back, and I asked her if she needed prayer for anything. 
and she told me several significant things that were going on in her life. Um, and I said, okay, can I pray for her? And she said, yeah. So I began to pray for her. And Holy Spirit just poured out so many things we never talked about, you know. And I know that she was ministered to. I know that there was freedom that she didn't have. And there was certainly great peace by the time we left. And I'm getting, uh, when we parted ways and everything, and I'm going my way, she's going. She calls. I'm almost to the hotel room. She said, are you an angel? <laughs> Doesn't that tell you how God has impacted that woman? I mean, it is so wonderful. And I've had, I have so many encounters like that um, over the last couple of weeks. And if you never think that there's opportunity, all you got to do is lift up your eyes and look and say hello to somebody. And the opportunity is right there. And I don't ever want to miss one of those. I think I did along the way, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be willing and obedient, even if they think I'm a little off. <laughs> Glory to God. Well, would you help us welcome our pastor? All right. Good morning. Hallelujah. It's good to be here. <laughs> uh, we're all home folks here, aren't we? Good. As I, I put some stuff together early this morning, and because uh, I was up fighting the enemy, uh, had this little tickle, went to bed, sleep, and this little cough kept waking me up. So, good opportunity to get up and let him have it. So, <laughs> so I've been up all night. Then you get in the car and it's flat, flat tire. So, it's been a fun morning, but Jesus is Lord. But I put together just some things. It's more, it might be kind of more training than uh, anything else, so you might want to just take some notes and just put some things together, and the uh, Lord even spoke to me about what I'm dealing with, and uh, I'd, I'd explain it as, as I go. I'm calling it rightly dividing the word of truth, and you know, it's, it's the word that we understand that we get that sets us free. It's amazing to me when I think about where it says that my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. That God's talking about his people that he cannot rescue, he cannot, he will not. Because he said they're destroyed for a lack of knowledge. And when I think about that, it's, it's amazing when you know how much God loves us, yet he is limited because of our lack of knowledge, which puts it back on our responsibility to, to learn some things and understand some things. So just got all of these you will know, so it's really just for review. But uh, number one, it's always God's will to heal. And anything that we get away from that, is really doubt and unbelief. Because when you look at the word, when you look at John 10.10, 10, that uh, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but Jesus came to give his life and life more abundantly. And Jesus never turned down someone for healing. Now, some people turned him down. So we know you. We know who you are. Uh, you're Joseph and Mary's son. You know? <laughs> We're familiar with you. Um, nah. 
and said because of their unbelief, they didn't receive from Jesus. So he never turned anyone down. And I, I thought about a long-term sickness and disease, and I actually don't see that in the Word. When Jesus ministered, now there was gradual healing. There was things that people walked at. It was a gradual thing, but, you know, long-term for just months after months and years, I really don't see in the Word. It's just some things I was thinking about. And it seems like the people that go for years and years, it gets very difficult. Uh, for some reason to, to break through that. It could be we get comfortable. I don't know. It's a number of reasons that could be there. But when I look at Scripture, I see that things are quicker. And I think that's that hope deferred thing too, that we just, uh, we are human beings also, and we could get uh, discouraged or whatever. So just some thoughts about that. Uh, it said that Jesus healed them all. You can find that several places in the Bible. So we've got to be just totally, anytime, anywhere, anyone, it's God's will to heal you. Just like we could say it's God's will for you to be saved. We say that with confidence, but we need to have the same confidence saying it's God's will to heal you. And I've seen people get healed, then get saved or give their life to Jesus so we really can't use that. Uh, God will not heal you until you accept him as Lord. Well, it could be that they get healed and they see that he is Lord. That God reveals himself through his body, through us, and we're actively doing what God's will is. And I can remember Ellen and I got uh, married. We went to PTL. Everybody remember PTL? And anyway, uh, we had tremendous time there. Uh, we were at this huge, uh, they had just opened a new building, and we were there, and uh, a lady named Vicki Jamison was there. I remember Vicki Jamison. And she was uh, ministering, and she there was a, a person, just a couple seats over from us, who uh, she called out someone's uh, had a heart attack, heart problems, whatever, and this this person got said, that's me, and they felt heat, and she said, you got a new heart, and said, now, are you ready to accept Jesus Christ, the Lord of your life? Well, I'm not, what? Yeah, I go, you're kidding me, and he did, and accepted the Lord, and, and got saved, so uh, that opens up when I know it's God's will to, to heal them, even if they're saved or not. That could be a sign and wonder to them. That opens up a whole different avenue, you know, to us. So it's always God's will to heal. Number two, recognize sickness and disease as an enemy. We know from Galatians 3.13 that we're redeemed from the curse. Sickness and disease is a part of the curse. It's an enemy. It's an enemy to God. Therefore, it's an enemy to us. And the culture that we live in today does not see sickness and disease as an enemy. Some people see it as a money-making adventure. <laughs> Buy this, get this medicine, whatever. It's, uh, uh, and it's interesting that that's one of the places that they say is the greatest greed is in uh, uh, the pharmacy uh, with the medicines and stuff. It's greatly overcharged. And, uh, but in our culture, it's expected 
It's an expected thing. We don't treat it like an enemy. It's just, it's expected. It's that time of year or, or whatever. So people, even believers, we don't treat it like an enemy. We treat it with its expectation. That's just a normal, normal thing for us. But it's not to be normal for us. In fact, the Bible says, if there's any among you sick, I always get a kick out of that. If. It's never been an if anywhere I've been. If, of course, there's some among us. But it says if, then call for the elders of the church. It's possible not to have any. Possible to come in on Sunday or one of our meetings. Nobody's sick. Nobody's dealing with anything. And that'd be wonderful. <laughs> well, we, we have a ways to go. But our first step, we've got to treat sickness and disease as an enemy and understand it's not normal for us. People uh, connect with sickness and disease many times. Kent Hagen talked about that. There were some people that embrace their sickness and disease because of the attention that they got. I, I think there's few people like that. I don't think most people want to hang on to it, but there are some. They get that attention, and uh, maybe they get pampered a little bit. Yeah, I don't mind some of that. <laughs> Pamper me. Uh, but anyway, our, we like that kind of stuff. I mean, but we can't live there, you know. <laughs> and some people just pop their feet up. I'm going to live here for a while. Hey, baby, bring your fan. <laughs> Give me some grapes, you know. <laughs> so uh, attacking sickness as an enemy. Number three, get fed up and settle it. And fed up and settle it. And they're two different things. Now, you get fed up to the point that I'm not going to put up with this anymore and I'm going to do something about it. That's what fed up is. And you got to get fed up first. Uh, this is a, it's God's will for me to be healed. This is an enemy uh, against me. Uh, my body's a temple of the Holy Spirit. Get fed up. I'm going to do something about this. Whatever it takes, I'm going to stand against this. But then you've got to settle it. And settle it is a whole different issue. After and I put after receiving prayer or having hands laid on me, what do you do? It's settled. In other words, this thing is done. This is a done deal. And you start, you can keep praying, but your prayer is a Thanksgiving prayer. Your prayer is reminding yourself of the promises of God, the blessing of the Lord, and you speak those things over your life. Um, that's when the enemy comes and he says, why hasn't it happened? Or why is it taking so long? Why do you feel this way? Why is there pain in your body? Why is this going on? Well, the enemy will come. That's, that's his job, to steal, kill, and destroy. And he will come with thoughts of doubt and unbelief. That's what he does. But you can find out at that time if you've settled there or not. That's when you find out. You might still just be fed up. But you've got to get settled. And the enemy comes and you just tell him, I rebuke you. That's and not saying that thoughts won't come. They're coming. It says he's out to steal what you get God's promises. He's out to steal what God has already promised you and given you. So he comes with thoughts of doubt and unbelief. 
And we've got to know that that's going to happen. That's the way he works. It's the battlefield of the mind. He comes with these thoughts. And he'll say, well, you blew it. You shouldn't have had that extra bowl of banana pudding. Or, you know, he does all this stuff to come against you. But I can recognize if I'm settled it because I come against him and say, no, let me tell you, it's God's will for me to be healed, and I am the healed of the Lord. And you start responding back. That means I've settled it. This thing, it's over. It's a done deal. I'm in thanksgiving mode. I'm in speaking the word of God. And I'm letting the devil have, have it. When you're settled inside, you recognize it's the enemy. It's a different voice. It's not the voice of the good shepherd. You recognize whose voice it is. And it doesn't matter what the news is, per se, maybe from a doctor or whatever. It doesn't matter. You're settled inside. You have peace. Inside this thing, there's no worry. You're not nervous. You're not upset. You're at peace. That means you have settled it. It's yours. And really, this, this get fed up and, and settle, it, settle it means you have to pursue healing. And we have to value the blessing of the Lord enough to go and sit at his feet and listen to what he has to say and get that for ourselves. One thing uh, I put down here, people feed uh, on, on words but some people get on the internet and they're so ingrained with what they're the problem that if they would spend a little bit of time on the solution, and the internet's a great tool. There's great things we can use it for, but uh, I know I, I mentioned this before. But when I was out of town uh, ministering to a, to a man, he. He told me about his sickness and disease in great detail. In fact, he said he had started ministering or tell, explaining to the doctor because his doctor did not have time to study to the degree that he had. And actually, he took the doctor's place. The doctor was asking him advice because he had studied this to such an amount of time that he was an expert in that field. He wasn't a uh, a licensed doctor or anything, but he was an expert in that field. And um, he goes through all this, and of course you're, you're, you're not wanting to be rude or anything. You're, you're at a visiting church, and, they, <laughs> and it just, my goodness, that information, I couldn't say half the words. I couldn't tell you what the words were. And uh, his wife uh, whispered to me and said, please pray for us, and I said, okay. I, I, I told him, I said, look, I'm just going to be honest with you. You're very, very uh, informed about what you're facing. But let me tell you, what you're facing does not compare to your God. And you've made this into such a huge mountain. He was actually doing counseling for some of the doctor's other patients. He was counseling the other patients, informing them what you will face. This is what's happening. Um, and uh, it, it didn't go didn't go well. I mean, I just I told him, you've taken the doctor's place, and if you'll take in reverse and spend that time in the Word of God, uh, 
you'll find things change. And he was like, uh, it was more like the doctors need me and, you know, uh, the people need me. And uh, he had he had left. Uh, he had gotten so much of the work. You know, faith comes by hearing. Whatever you're hearing, faith is coming forward. So that means we got to really watch what we're hearing. And that means you got to turn off whatever you have to do. You have to pursue your healing. And if you're not pursuing it, if you're not listening to the word of God, that doesn't mean words are not coming to you because they're coming. And they're the wrong kind of words. So you've got to take the time and do it. And the fact is, nobody can do it for you. We have to do it. Okay, I think that settles that part. Uh, let me say, I've got thoughts of how long until it, uh, it will take. If you're having these thoughts and you're meditating on those, you haven't settled it. You're settled when the doctors report, it doesn't matter. Now, this settlement means when you're being ministered to or ministering to someone else. If you pray for someone else, it settles it. That as far as you're concerned, things done, and the enemy will try and come up against you. You say, "No, it's settled." Now I will say this: it's easier on our side ministering to someone else. You can walk in complete confidence for them. You're not feeling it. <laughs> Amen. You're not feeling what they're going through and stuff. So hey, I got complete confidence. I'm not doubting. No, I believe it's done. Not feeling a thing. Just eating my banana pudding, just feeling good. But we have to also be in that position that we are standing in faith and we're believing. And the enemy is trying to say, well, they're not believing. Look at this all going on. Well, it's still my place to stay in faith when I minister to someone. I stay settled uh, that they are the healed of the Lord. And then it's between them and the Lord. Uh, then the question comes up, can you pray again for someone? You can, but it's a faith prayer. Jesus prayed for someone more than once. But I don't believe that one time it was a doubt prayer and the next time it was a faith prayer. <laughs> I mean, they both have faith. So what's a faith prayer after you've believed that you received? Thank you, Lord, that they have received. Thank you, Lord, they are blessed. I just released the Holy Spirit the quickening power of the Holy Spirit upon their life, and, and you're just speaking the blessing of the Lord, but they have it settled, and you have it settled, and when you have it settled, and they have it settled, they're going to receive. That has to be our, our position, uh, where we're at. It's, it's just like when uh, the doctors diagnosed me with prostate cancer, uh, which is, I mean, it was a surprise to me because... When I married a nurse, that was one of the things that was very high on her priority list was checkups. You get checkups. When I played sports, we had to get checkups, you know, and then you just don't need no checkup. But um, she had seen so many people that if they'd gotten a checkup, they could have knocked the whole thing out. 
and it really changed my perspective and, and thought about that. It's probably a good thing to get a checkup, and then you know what to speak to or, or whatever. So I, I go and get this uh, checkup, and they said my uh, PSA levels, so if you're not, I forgot what all that stands for, but it was all up out the roof. And uh, I really didn't know what it meant at that time, but they said, we want you to go to the urologist. I go to the urologist. They do all these tests and everything. And uh, so then they said, uh, "We want the doctor wants to meet with you. Bring your wife. I still didn't have a clue, you know, anything. I just saw uh, just a, a routine thing. So I'll go in and, and meet with the doctor, and the doctor says, you have cancer. No, really. I mean, I was just shocked. It's, really? He said, yeah, you got prostate cancer, and we need to get this out. I said, well, uh, I'm going to pray about this. And they said, well, don't take too long. Because uh, they wound up doing the biopsy, and they found it more in one place and stuff. So anyway, um, went home and prayed. I did not have a, a piece about about this and don't rush in uh, to anything. So I just got in the Word and just speaking the Word and meditating on the Word. I took this little book, Charles Caps, God's Creative Power, and I just constantly uh, was speaking the Word and um, had peace. And one day I was uh, at the computer I decided to pay in, I believe the Lord led me, pay in Christian urologist. One came up in the whole area. It's Dr. Wallace, and who Roger and I know. <laughs> and uh, went to Dr. Wallace, and I'm, we just hit it off. I mean, before, we, after five minutes, we are in there praying in the Spirit, just talking about God. And in fact, I had to stop him. I felt, you've got a whole waiting room out here. All these people are waiting. I, I'm trying to. And um, anyway, that's been over 10, 10, 12 years ago. And we've just been um, great friends. Just, just love him. Uh, he's seen people raised from the dead. He was actually ministering a, at church. And um, a, a guy died had a heart attack and died, was out for about 30 minutes. And uh, he went over, he told everyone, we're going to pray and raise us from the dead, went over. And uh, they, he spoke life, and after a couple of minutes, started coughing, came back, it's fine. So we're talking about a man of faith. Anyway, I, I told him uh, uh, to run the test that uh, I didn't say I believe in him, I know him healed. It didn't matter what the test showed. I, it was already settled. It didn't matter. But I was doing this, and, and be honest, uh, for Ellen, and, and I understand her position. We want her to uh, have the same settled. And um, in the meantime, I got a letter, certified letter from the other doctor. And they said that, uh, oh, in between all this, when I got settled inside, I asked them to do a test again. Uh, I called the other place, asked them, I want you to do this test again. Oh, we can't do that. We can't do that, and uh, we will not do that. Insurance will not pay for that. 
UK have another test. I said, you mean to tell me I cannot ask for another test? No. Can I speak to the doctor? Well, the doctor would send you to me, and, and this thing started getting very agitated and just uh, not going down the right, right path. So, uh, anyway, I get this letter in the mail uh, from the doctor, certified mail, and said, if you don't have surgery, we're not responsible for your death. It's just the way it was, it was said. And said, because of the stage you're at and everything, you're not going to make it. So if I had known the letter was coming, I would have intercepted it where Ellen did not receive this. But it was a, a setup to attack my settled position. And, uh, and of course, she finds this, and, and here we go. And I said, well, that's when I said, I'm going to go to a different doctor. It's got to be a way. And uh, so well, insurance isn't going to pay for it if they've already done it before. But he, they never asked me there. I said, I want the test again. He said, we'll do it again. He ran everything. He said, there's no way in this world that you got prostate cancer. He said, your PSA levels are lower than a man 20 years old. All my tests have been two or below. Now, if you know anything about it, that is, he said, you're lower than if you had the surgery. He said, you're... You're great. There's, there's no problems. So every year, you know, I have the checkup, test, you know, whatever. But uh, it was settled. It was settled before I went. And I think sometimes that's a problem. We get, we get fed up, but we don't go to that part of settled where you can rest and, and, and hit that position. Number four is treat all sickness the same. All sickness the same. And this is where the Lord was really ministering to me because uh, I actually had felt this agitation uh, a little bit, this cold trying to attack me. And I tell you what I did about it. Absolutely nothing. Just ignored it, just kept on going. But really, we should treat all sickness the same. But Here's the thing, to God it is all the same. He's defeated all of it. So here's what we do. We'll go, oh, a cold. Oh, you can naturally get healed of that, you know. True. But it's an enemy of God. It's still stealing. And the truth is, you know, there's been people who go in the hospital for uh, maybe the flu, it turns into pneumonia, it turns into this, and there's been people who have weakened the immune system have died. Because sickness really is a, a form of death. It's just a early form. Because sickness is how to take you out. It's how, it, it's, it's, if there was, a you could say, a vision of sickness and disease, it is to take you out. So we have to be on top of it. But what we do, say, oh, this is, this is a big, you hear, this is cancer. We need to get everyone praying we need to get we got this is a tough 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 one here <laughs> well it's not as tough it's, it's just like a cold to God and we gotta see it like that cancer is no match for God just like a cold is, is no problem for God 
He has defeated both. And we've got to get that inside of us that we don't. It's like the you go to a hospital and maybe you've, you've seen someone. I can remember uh, my first time uh, going to the hospital to see the person at the ICU just all hooked up. I mean, all this machines and all this going on. I literally walked in and walked out and said, regroup. Said God, in the name of Jesus, I'm not moved by what I see. And and went back in. Head swollen, brain swollen. It was a um, car wreck. It was a horrible situation, teenager. And uh, you had to, said, no, I refuse to be moved by this and then go back in. That's why cancer, that's why these saints are, we've got to uh, see them the same because the, the the battle is won. God has won. We're on the victor side. He's got the victor's crown. Sickness is like death in baby form. We need attack the flu just like we would attack anything that's terminal not to give the enemy a, a footstool. Uh, number five, treat all sickness like a person. And you find this in scripture that uh, they spoke to the sickness of these. Jesus spoke to it, you know, like a person, like identity. Smith Wigglesworth would say all sickness is a devil. Now he knew all sickness that a person was going through didn't mean they had a devil, but he knew indirectly it all came from the enemy. So what would he do? He would speak to sickness and disease like a demon. And he would speak to it like a, a, a person. Don't pray to God about the sickness. You speak to the sickness about what God says. Talk to it like a personality. Be forceful and direct like you would any invader. And, and Joe, I, I, I love her teaching when she talks about somebody uh, squatters rights trying to come on your property. Invade her, not get out. And most of us wouldn't go out there, oh, it's just five of you, that's okay. It's just a cold, it's just five of you, it's, it's okay. No, get off my property. I'm calling them back up. Heaven? <laughs> Get them. And that's the way we have to be. Number six, command, not beg. Command. And, you know, we rebuke sickness and disease. We speak to it and all this. But sickness is waiting to hear from you where to go. I've seen people pray for uh, people who are sick and they have rebuked it and they have come against it. But you got to tell it where to go. You got to tell it to leave. To leave now in Jesus' name. And then you can uh, speak to the body, tell the body to be healed. But we command, not beg. Number seven, speak to the problem and not to others about the problem. And I think we, we pretty much. 
understand this. Most Christians listen rather than speak to themselves. We listen to doubt-filled thoughts instead of speaking to ourselves. And you've got to interrupt those thoughts. You've got to interrupt them. And you interrupt them by speaking to them, speaking the truth, speaking what God says. The devil wants to paint a picture inside of you of defeat. And he'll have all kinds of people come out of the woodwork to speak his message, to paint that picture of defeat in you. They'll testify of his picture. Don't listen to your pain or unbelieving people. Speak to the mountain. Mark eleven twenty three. Speak to this mountain. And yeah, I'm glad he said this mountain. Whatever mountain is, the problem that you're facing, you speak to it. And you command it to go. How long do you keep speaking to your mountain? Until it's gone. You can speak to it several times a day. Speak to it until it leaves, until it's gone. Then you can stop speaking to that mountain because it doesn't exist. It's been cast into the sea. Number eight, see people as oppressed prisoners of war. Jesus took the judgment of oppression. And we're not, we're not to judge, we're to bring deliverance. There are some people today that will teach you to go back into your past and some will even relive the trauma in the, in the bondage of the past in order to get you free. I don't see it in Scripture. I don't believe we're to judge someone. If God prompts you, gives you a, a word that this situation happened when you were a child or, or whatever, but as far as us going, well, we're going to do an investigation. What have, have you ever said? Well, of course you have. Everyone has. And so you go through all this, and it tends to disqualify instead of seeing that we're qualified in Christ. We're not called to judge. We're called to deliver, to be a faithful ambassador brings healing. So we're to bring encouragement. We're to bring good news. And the good news is that we're going to drag up all your past. There was a uh, Billy, was it Billy Brim? Anyway, I'm trying to remember uh, she came to the church and uh, ministered. And I remember uh, there was a guy there who had worked for her that was bringing up some old sin that she had dealt with years ago. Well, where did that come from? It's a familiar spirit. See, when it's uh, a judgment type thing. And she had, that was law gone, law dealt with. That wasn't God, that was the enemy. So it, it's just knowing, uh, you know, uh, it's great to be encouraged. It's great. God will challenge us. Uh, God will exhort us. But there's, there's too much. Well, you have a pain in your right foot. I know what you did because everyone that has done this, this was a sin that they committed. They 
kicked their dog as hard as they could. The dog got injured, and you have a foot that's... The trouble with all that stuff is it doesn't always add up. It's not always right. But what I'm saying, we've got to stay on the love side. We're not judging. We're bringing deliverance. We're bringing help to people. Jesus paid the price, and they deserve to be free. Number nine, be clean and stay clean. And this is something uh, Kenneth Hagin dealt with. He had a man in the, in the hospital. He went there to pray for him. And he said, uh, this, this man, all he had to do was receive, and he would not. He kept asking him why. And Jesus appears in the hospital room, and Kenneth Hagin says, Jesus, uh, will you heal him? Will you lay hands on him? He said, I cannot. He said, why not? Because he doesn't fake that he's worthy of it. He has a sin consciousness, and that is limiting what I could do. So, at many times, sin, uh, what we consider sin, is not even sin to God, because there's a lot of stuff out there. I've worked with a guy who years preached that if you had a Christmas tree, you were living in sin. And one day I, I confronted him, I went, what do you mean? So we enjoy our, the Christmas tree. And he called up this Old Testament verse that says, if you bow before a tree, uh, something, gifts, and worship this, you're worshiping this tree. I told him, I've never been tempted to worship my Christmas tree. Let me tell you, it's not a temptation for me, therefore I'm not in sin. But if it's a temptation for you, please do never get a Christmas tree. But... But the consciousness of sin can prevent you from receiving because your whole your own heart condemns you. And say, I'm just not in a place that I can receive. And what we're doing, we're we're judging ourselves. Instead, I judge myself in light of he's took the judgment for me. It doesn't mean I don't repent, I do. But I I come out uh knowing even when I was Messed up, I was still a son of God or a daughter of God. And he loved me. He's for me. So uh, be clean and, and stay clean. And, and that means that if it is a sin, repent and make it your heart should be to stay out of that, to turn from it. It doesn't mean you won't go back and have some lapses. Well, you do then, repent. <laughs> and you keep the word going. But some people just want a quick fix and then go live like a heathen and uh, you're asking for trouble, you know, when that happens. One definition of repent is turn around and walk away from it. You know, we know repent means to change the Bible, also turn around and walk away from it. Jesus came to save us from our sins, not in our sins. Came to save us from our sins. He didn't come to save us in sin, in our sins. He delivered us, set us free. Of course, you know this, not talking about perfect. If your heart condemns you, you will not have confidence in God. Confidence in God is your faith. It's your faith. 
Number 10, stay out of pride. If you've read uh, Robert Salerdon's books on God's generals, uh, we also do it in the School of Ministry, where Dr. Leon has broken down some of the great uh, revivalists and uh, great men and women of God. And you find almost every one of them that fell, it was out of pride. Um, and there's something about when people start getting healed, it's easy to take attention to ourselves, but we must always give it to God. He's the healer, and uh, we're not. So we give him all the praise and, and all the worship. And it, it's, it's, it's all over uh, those ministers that you, you read about. Number 11, be aggressive in your faith. And this is Cam. There's a lot of teaching about the sovereignty of God. Uh, there's people who tell you everything that happens is because God allowed it. Well, the truth is that uh, God has a body in the earth, and the truth is we allow it. Well, that puts responsibility on us. Yes, it does. It's on us. And so much of that, it's just not uh, scripture. I mean, you could get, you could go many different ways with that. I mean, uh, you could talk about the election and all that stuff, but, uh, well, God's sovereign will. Well, no, he gave us responsibility to vote. He gave us voice. It, it's up to us. So I'm going to move on from that. Twelve. Be led by God's character and nature. I, I don't have to feel led by God to go pray for someone. Looking for a feeling. Well, I could pray for someone because I feel God right now. No, I've got this word on it that he said, we're to go and lay hands on the sick and they will recover. So that's, that's all I need. I don't have to have uh, a special feeling. Uh, Remember, years and years ago, I was at a bookstore, and truth is, it was one of those times I'm, uh, I spent too much time in bookstores. It was, uh, uh, it got to the point it was almost too hard of a temptation for me. I come out more books and spend too much money, have too many books, and all this. And anyway, uh, I had made a decision I was going to get out of the bookstore, <laughs> and. <laughs> This woman comes up to me, asks me to pray, pray for, and it's one of those quick prayers because, like I said, I was uh, ready to leave. Pray for she's slain in the spirit in the bookstore. Did not expect this or anything. She gets up, she's healed and all this. I'm going, oh, God, I'm sorry, <laughs> and you know, it rejoice everything. Did I feel anything? Not a thing. If anything, I was feeling the opposite. I needed to get out of there. I was also a little hungry. <laughs> so I was ready. So it, it's, uh, Oral Roberts got one of the most famous uh, stories about that, that he had prayed for everyone. And this lady said, well, you pray for my son. You probably heard this, but uh, he said, can you come back tomorrow? He said he was just wiped out. And uh, she said, all I need to do is use your hand. And uh, 
Say, I've got the faith. Said that woman took his hand, slapped it on her son, and his feet grew out. She had already brought the shoes. And he said, if there was any doubt ever in my mind, if I was special or something, I was the, the healer, it all went out the window then. <laughs> oh, I love that. So God's character is, is love. And uh, uh, it's a, what time is it? Wow. Number 13, accept responsibility for your fellow man. Yeah, I think sometimes that's what we're looking at on, on Sundays. Each will reach one. And sometimes we think we will get into somebody's business. We don't want uh, to interrupt someone. Like Joe was saying, she, she was aggressive, saying, can I pray for you? And, you know, when you do that, most people will not turn you down. When you ask for prayer, it's a great avenue for us to reach out to people. But we need to take it as our business. And I think with the way we are, it keeps us from helping people. And plus, you know, our, our busyness. Let me move on here. 14. Know that God is in you. He's a part of you. Yeah, we grow, grow in, in the Lord, in our, our soul, our mind, our emotions. We grow. But he's in us, so everywhere we go, he's there. I heard a, a believer the other day, they were saying, uh, I'm looking for God. I said, well, go look in the mirror. I can make this easy for you. And once you look in the mirror, get God's mirror out, and you'll see yourself. 15, be prepared for counterattack. This is something I've been uh, praying about recently. You know, we had the, the bad who was healed. Jesus helped to get the water. It said that he went later and he failed him. He said, do not sin unless the worst thing come against you. And uh, we know that sin could open the door for a counterattack. The enemy could come against you. But notice here he said a worse thing. He was preparing him. He wants us to, to, to cross over that, that healing line, but to stay there, to stay healthy, to, to stay strong. We can't be attacked, and it's not because we're at sin. We're just hated by the, the devil. In John 9, verse 2 and 3, you can read about it, but uh, there was a uh, man who was blind when he was born, and the disciples asked Jesus, who said? His parents, they said? He said, no, but that the glory of God be showed, the works of God will be manifested. He wasn't saying that... Uh, 
his parents had never said, because they have, we know all have said, follow short of the glory of God. He just said it wasn't his parents' sins that caused him to be born blind. So that, that tells us that there's an enemy. Truth is, we live in a fallen world. And there's there, the spiritual uh, battle. And the devil can attack you for no reason. Because he hates you. He just hates us. That's mutual. <laughs> you know, there's someone you can hate. One time the Lord told me, there's someone you can tell to go to hell. I said, Really? said, yeah, the devil. I said, hallelujah. I just drove down the interstate. Go to hell, say, go to hell. I had a good time. <laughs> and then we got people get sick in, in natural things. Uh, not paying a, a, attention. You trip and fall. You know, people say, oh, it's the devil. No, you weren't paying attention. It, that doesn't mean the devil was involved in that. You know, you just made, made a mistake. It, it can happen. There's uh, things in the natural that can happen. You can catch a cold. You can get infection. Have swelling. It's natural reasons. You can jump off a cliff and hit a rock. So it can be sin. It can be the enemy for no reason. It can be natural things. We just, we're imperfect. We make mistakes. But it's interesting when you look in Scripture, it says they arrived in the promised land. What did they meet? Giants. It could mean that you're in the promised land. You're in a good place. Maybe it's an indication that you're in a good place. The promised land. What a great place to live. But these counterattacks, we, we've got to teach people to expect it. And, and when it comes back, you come with a vengeance against that stuff. You don't just patty cake it. You come against it with everything within you because it will happen. It happens. I had a friend that was healed of MS, and he went to a bitty head a crusade, and he was healed, and it was like two years later. So he woke up, and MS was back. Just like that. Went to bed five, woke up with MS. And uh, it's played to that this is the enemy attacking you. Did they talk to you about steady? Well, they mentioned some, but in two years it slipped. He had, you know, think about it. But see, the enemy waited for the correct timing, whatever situation, and brought this attack against him. And last I heard, he's still standing against that. But it's, it's been a war. But if you would, when it goes back, immediately say, trespasser, invader, can't come back, you're a lie, get out of here and be aggressive and come against it, that stuff will go. It'll stay gone for a long time. It could stay gone from then on. It's just like when you get saved. You had what I had where um, you'd mess up and think you needed to get saved again. Until I got in the Word of God and saw that I was saved whether I messed up or not. And once I owned that, you know, that attack stopped. 
it was settled. The enemy could not convince me anymore that I didn't belong to the Lord. And it's interesting that that um, confirmation on the inside of your heart's there. Why? I came to a place that was settled. Once it's settled, it cannot be taken easily. I have to just drop down and just let it go for a place that I'm settled in to be taken from me. It's, it's what is, is revelation. Once you have revelation and you own it, you settle it, the enemy, I have built up a stronghold in God at that time. That's what I've done. A stronghold that the enemy can't get into. He can't penetrate. It's like he don't come and whisper to me anymore, Bob, you're not saved. I don't know if you're aware of this, but you're not saved. <laughs> or the same thing with being spirit-filled. Bob, you're not spirit-filled. That's no kind of language I ever heard. <laughs> really, it's kind of weird. If you, why don't you listen to yourself? It's, it's kind of weird. And you're going along with, yeah, yeah. You know, this is kind of weird, you know, and oh, that sounds like uh, the Flintstones there, gabba dabba do, you know, or maybe you're on to something here, devil, whoever you are. <laughs> of course, I'm not knowing who it is, I think, well, maybe I need to ask God, yeah, it's doubts trying to, but once you own it, it's settled, oh my goodness. I'll get out of here, and you just let him have it more. Take some of this. You come on. <laughs> Revelation. But at the same time, I look at Jesus, and I think, is a responsibility more on us as ministers or on the one who receives? I think it's more on ministers. Because I see where Jesus walked in, to a room, if there was sickness there, sickness had to go. He walked into a room, and if there was demons there, demons had to flee. And the word says, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead lives in us. The scripture says the same works that he did, we will do, and greater works. Right now, I just take the same works. Jesus walked into a room and the atmosphere changed. We walk into a room, many times the atmosphere changes us. So what we need is, is, is revelation. And we need to take responsibility. And I really believe, I, I had a guy I worked with at uh, Light Gas and Water who I've been witnessing to and he was a young guy and he was living wild and doing his thing. Nice guy. And uh, one day we had had a meeting, came back into the office. We, me and him were the first ones there. And he was sick. And he was saying, I, I think I'm going to have to go home. I'm sick and all this. I said, can I pray for you? 
He said, yeah. So I come over uh, to his desk and I pray for him. And uh, it was one of those, you know, you don't have to pray long prayers. It was a very quick prayer. Lord, heal him. That's all it was because I knew he wasn't the most comfortable. And it doesn't, Lord, heal him. I walk back to my desk and I hear him go, wow. Came back out. He said, all that left. You know what happened to him? He got saved. The next uh, couple days later when we did our uh, lunch, we get together uh, once or twice a week lunch and uh, talk about the word. He comes in. Got the leading to Jesus. That's worth it all right there. Worth it all. I think there is a whole way of evangelism that we got to tap into. Because once people experience his goodness, once they experience that he's alive, it ministers. Our testimony. Uh, sharing our testimony. Being bold to share what God has done. Like Kim, that, that blessed me so much about Jenny. Uh, what a testimony. Heaven is a real place. Eternity is a long time. So we got to get people saved, but we're called to get them saved, healed, free. We're, we're called to help them, bless them, see them transform. We're here to see the hungry fed, the lost found. We're, we're here to go about the great commission, fulfilling what God's called us to do. And we're going to do it, and we're going to accomplish what he's called us to do. We might be few in number right now, but I tell you what, one with God's a majority. And look out, we're seeing more testimonies. We're seeing testimonies. We, we see them, you know, every week, but we're starting to see a trickle effect, hearing them like every other day, testimonies. We're missing testimonies, but I say I'm going to stop saying that. Lord said stop it because through the years we've had Tapes that would not record, all kinds of tapes, great testimonies. But here's what I'm saying. We're catching up all the testimonies in Jesus' name because it's contagious. Faith is contagious. Hallelujah. Glory to God. I'm happy. <laughs> Come do something, Joe. I think this is in the book that I um, gave you all, but I want to read it because it really speaks volumes here. If I can find where it went. It talks about, um, I'd like to rather find the quote if I can. Give me one second here. When we think a, a circumstance in our life is greater than the power of God, we have invited a seed of unbelief into our life. It goes in hand in hand with what the pastor was talking about. And, you know, it's not enough to, it's not enough to acknowledge the symptom. 
and just let it go. She's not sure what I said there. <laughs> I need to repeat it. Um, it's not enough. You know, um, it's like Pastor was saying, he had a symptom in his body. And how many times do we have a symptom come in our body, but it's negligible, you know. And we think um, it's not a big deal. So we don't, uh, we don't even get on the defensive, much less the offensive. We sit down and think, well, you know. And sometimes, I don't know about you all, but sometimes you get busy with things and you're involved in it. You know the word of God and you're going. But I've never found it to poof on me because I know something about the word of God. It takes active faith. Um, I heard Jerry Savelle's testimony just the other day, and he had a horrendous stroke uh, when he was in surgery on the 27th of September, I believe. And when he woke up, he didn't know anybody. He didn't know his family members. Um, he didn't know their names, and his left side wouldn't work. And, um, and so you think, here's the man of God that has taught, preached, been after God's heart for 40 or 50 years, and here he is with a stroke, unable. He said the one of the things that um, when he woke up, he didn't remember a scripture. That's one of the things that bothered him the greatest. Now, notwithstanding it bothered him that he didn't know his family members, um, but he, he said, I remember thinking the devil has gone too far this time. I thought, what a great thought, you know? And um, so here it is, he goes through the process of what happens, but he is preaching now, 1127, this is 2016, two months later, completely, totally restored. Nothing missing. But, you know, the devil comes and says, well, if that man of God suffered a stroke, what, what does that say about the rest of us who didn't do 50 years or whatever working for God. And uh, it says, but God, God is bigger than every circumstance. And it says this to me very, very clearly. It is not even what you know. It's what you will not apply that you will not receive any benefits for. It is what you actually apply. It's the word that you know, that revelation knowledge that you will take and do something with that will get the benefit for you. Jesus already did everything. And, you know, it talks very clearly in Hebrews that we are to labor, to enter into his rest. What is that? That is believing that my God is not only able but he paid the price. He's already done it. He is always for my good. He is never against me. He is always for healing. He's always for long life. He's always for wisdom operating in our life. He's always for us being the head and not the tail, above and not beneath. And everything we set our hands to is supposed to prosper. Always. Always. And if we firmly believe that, at the first symptom, at the first sign, we would on, be on it like a chicken on a bug. Say, no, no, you're not. This is no, 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 no. This is not me. You're not coming in. Get out. And if you do that in the beginning, you're less likely. You're less likely to have to fight the bigger fights. Not that you never will because things come. 
but it rains on the just and the unjust. But the word that you know that you take and apply produces. It always produces. And that's what his testimony talked to me greatly. And he didn't just sit back and do nothing. He heard one of the nurses say that if he's, um, if he's a certain amount better by tomorrow, we will let him go. So it took him three days to even know what was going on, that he didn't know his family. And he said, I purposed in my heart that I was going to be better that next day. And then when he got home, he didn't say, okay, I'm just going to take it easy. And he immediately got to work about doing it. And he got in his little workshop, and he didn't know how to start his vehicles. And he said, I'm not leaving this place until I know how to start them. And he started every single one of them until he's got a collection, I guess. And it's that determination. It is that um, when you talked about settling it, to me, that is the quality decision, the one that there is no more argument but there's no retreat, not even one half of a half of an ounce, no retreat. It's settled. This is our, this is our line and our starting point, and I'm never going back. Once I step over, I'm not going back. You're not making me. I'm going forward. And the going forward a lot of times is where we don't do it for many reasons, sometimes because the body talks so much, sometimes the circumstances, but a lot of times what I see is we faint in our mind before we even do anything, without the word of God, the fainting happens. But with the word of God, the strength comes. And, and so anytime that you believe that God is not bigger than any problem, we allow a seed of unbelief to come in. So if we eradicate that unbelief, if we have, if confidence, if our heart condemns us not, we have confidence towards God. And that's just putting the word in and putting the word in and putting the word in. So if you need prayer today, I invite you to come on up and have a seat, and our prayer team will minister. If you'd like to get more information about resources from Church of the Harvest, please check out our website at midsouthharvest.org. You may also contact us by phone at 662 662- 890-1573 or toll free at 866-383-8277. You are Lord, I'm a sinner.